turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 3. The book of Revelation, chapter number 3, if you would please, this morning. Book of Revelation, chapter number 3. I, we have been going through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings for quite some period of time. This morning, we will take, again, a, a bit of a break from that text out of Mark and and I will just want to spend some time, being the 4th of July, I want to spend some time uh, dealing with a, an issue topically, not necessarily an exposition through the scriptures and looking at verse by verse and line by line and pulling out all the words there that we often do. And I think is, is the best way to go through the Bible. You, you don't, you keep off the hobby horses when you do it that way. You just preach what's next. And, and so, but on this 4th of July, we will take a look at, I believe, I, I think it's the greatest need of our nation today, and I've entitled our time together, The Last Remaining Hope to Save America. The Last Remaining Hope to Save America. Revelation chapter 3, if you'll look there with me in your Bibles, verse number 14, down through the end of the chapter. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich. Increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich with white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke. And chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my house, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say, saith unto the churches. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Father, we ask for your blessings. We are thankful again for this special day. Lord, I pray that the attention that would be put forth into the Word of God this morning, the direction that you would have us, Lord, to go, I pray that it would bring forth fruit, Lord, in our lives individually, corporately, as families, and as a nation. And Lord, we do need your hand of provision and blessings upon this land. Help us now, Lord, as we seek it, as we learn from your word. And Lord, mold us into your image. Save souls, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we celebrate America's birthday. Wow, hard to believe. Time's gone by very quickly. I, my, my wife said this morning, I can't believe it's... July the 4th, and I can't either. We celebrate the birthday of our nation, 245 years old today. Uh, you think that's a little, it got a few years behind it. Really, it's nothing. It's somewhat still in its infancy. 
but we see it as it's growing older. We see our nation going a direction that we would not desire, nor does the Bible prescribe for us. So we consider a birthday of a land, a birthday of a nation today. It was the signing and the issuing of the Declaration of Independence by the Second Continental Congress that was made up of 13 colonies. These men who came together in Philadelphia, these men were delegates of these colonies, and they were brought together to sever the, the Declaration of Independence was, was signed and drafted to sever the colony's political and religious ties to Great Britain. Uh, if you read through the Declaration of Independence, you'll see all the grievances that were outlined there that the colonies had. One main one was taxation without representation. There were many others there. Uh, it was a declaration of independence for sure. That's what it was, a declaration of independence. And because of that declaration, a nation was born. There were 56 original signers of that declaration that day. And these men, again, as I mentioned, were delegates from the colonies. And they had gathered in Philadelphia. And each of these men knew by affixing their signatures to this document, they would be considered as traitors and treasonous to King George III of England. And they were willing to put their entire lives and their livelihoods, their families, everything that they owned, they were willing to put it on the line for this new nation. They understood that if they were captured, if this experiment of a new nation, of this setting out in a direction that they believed God would have them go, they believed and they knew that by doing this, and if it didn't work out, they would hang at the pleasure of the king for all to see. And they would be used as a, as a mockery. And they would be used and these men would be seen as what you do not do to the king of England. By August of 1776, uh, the declaration was delivered to King George. And they first, King George, he had heard, got the declaration at first. He just dismissed it. And well, this, there's always a grievance. And I keep hearing of this from the colonies. And it's just another one of their grievances. But by August of 17 and 76, King George declared the colonies to be in a state of rebellion. And he ordered British troops uh, to be brought in to put down the uprising. Thus began the Revolutionary War, or America's War for Independence. The war, this war for independence lasted seven years. The decisive battle was at Yorktown in Virginia. The British had been defeated, and America was an infant yet independent nation. Praise the Lord for that. The Declaration of Independence, as we consider just the document itself, as they wrote this document to the King of England, it begins with acknowledgement and dependence upon God, and it also ends with acknowledgement 
and dependence upon God. The beginning of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, rather, it begins this way. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. And to assume among the powers of the earth and separate an equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes that impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. They're not to be taken away. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They ended that declaration by saying this, They mentioned that the support of this declaration was with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They set out in dependence upon God. They relied upon dependence upon God. And I want to proclaim in spite of what the historian say today, what the historians claim today, what higher education claims today, the the revisionists, I want to proclaim loudly and clearly on this birthday of our great nation that these United States of America had its foundation in moorings firmly planted in the Word of God. America's independence and freedom are Bible concepts Bible concepts, and they sprang from Bible principles and Bible truth. Mark it down this morning. America did not begin with a group of white nationalists who sought to rule the world as the historian revisionist and the woke agitators proclaim today. America began with a group of God-fearing men who believed that the Bible was God's Word and that that Word was to be practiced and proclaimed if a nation was to ever have the favor of God upon it. It was to be practiced and proclaimed. If this new nation was ever to make it and ever to survive, it could only happen To the extent in which that nation humbled itself to the principles of God's holy word. It is God that made this nation the greatest, most powerful nation upon the earth today. And it is only God that will sustain it as that great and powerful nation. A light on a hill that cannot be hid. This is what America was intended to be. This is the blessings that God has provided. Let me give you some quotes from some of our founding fathers. Samuel Adams said, Religion and good morals are the only foundation of public liberty and happiness. 
we may with one heart and voice humbly implore his gracious and free pardon through Jesus Christ, supplicating his divine aid. Above all, to cause the religion of Jesus Christ in his true spirit to spread far and wide till the whole earth shall be filled with his glory. Wow. Benjamin Rush, another signer of the declaration, said the only means of establishing and maintaining our republican forms of government is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by the means of the Bible. George Washington said, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness. (laughs) The fight against the word of God is to tear down America. John Adams said, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. He says, if that were to happen, what a utopia. What a paradise that region would be. Thomas Jefferson, no nation has ever existed or been governed without religion, nor can be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has ever been given to man. And I, as chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it the sanction of my example. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of our United States, said the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Noah Webster, who's considered the, the father of American education, he said, all the evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war, proceed from their dispensing or neglecting the principles contained in the Bible. Wow, what truth this is. Daniel Webster, the United States Senator from Massachusetts and once a Secretary of State, said, No truth is more evident to my mind than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. To preserve the government, we must also preserve morals. Morality rests on religion. If you destroy the foundation, the superstructure must fall. When the public mind becomes vitiated and corrupt, laws are a nullity and the Constitution is a waste of paper. Wow. You can't take God out of it. You can't dispense God from it. I want to submit to us this morning that true American freedom cannot be separated from the truth of God's Word. 
It cannot be separated from the truth found in the Bible. To lose this word, to lose the word of God, to lose this word is to lose our freedoms. To lose our freedoms. Psalm 9 and 17, the wicked shall be turned to hell. And all the nations that forget God. I want to focus our time this morning on one large area I believe is proof that America has forgotten God. And that area is the importance of the local church. The importance of the local church. The body of Christ. Many that were once solid and true gospel preaching churches have lost their first love. Lost their first love and have lost their way in the malaise of worldly thinking and have re- redirected their focus away from the Bible. Not only do we find many churches that have gone this direction, but many who once were faithful, faithful to a local church and to the body of Christ have now traded faithfulness for forgetfulness. I dare say and praise the Lord for the crowd that we have this morning. But there will be people that will not be here tonight because I've done my duty. I've checked off the box. I've done for the day. There are many that have traded faithfulness For forgetfulness. I see a church in America today that has lost its influence. Its impact upon society. The problem lies in that an increasingly pagan society now sees the church as a nuisance and a hindrance to their sinful lifestyles. They see the church is just in the way. And in response, the mainstream church, the modern church of today, has attempted to draw them back by the acceptance of those same lifestyles and practices. The modern church of today has sacrificed truth at the altar of public opinion. It has adopted the world's entertainment, the world's music, the world's dress standards... Worldly ideas of morality, lowering the bar so that they can encourage others to come and to stay in. No longer is the church the consciousness of the community. But so much of the modern church today mirrors the community and the society that's around it. There has been a Love affair created with the world within the church. The thought is that they can win the world by being like the world. But it's never worked that way. It's never worked that way. When fleshly methods are used to entice the lost, it's not the lost that are won, but it's the church that are enticed to go back to the world. That's the end result. When you use fleshly methods to entice the flesh, then the flesh 
will always win the battle. Many denominations have create, caught, created and carved out a love affair with so many of the things that are going on around us. They've craved the popularity of the LGBT movement, the Black Lives Matter agenda, the Marxist agenda, the woke racist agenda. Many church leaders are now apologizing for standing against sin. They are apologizing for taking a stand where the Bible takes a stand. Some are apologizing for simply being white in color. So many churches have adopted a social agenda and set aside the spiritual agenda that God has given it. Many once thriving gospel preaching churches now have become little more than mouthpieces for liberalism and Marxist ideas. Many denominations now see homosexuality as acceptable, even ordaining those involved in such lifestyles into leadership within their churches. These things are going on all around us and in our land. Any so-called church that has walked away from the Bible on any matter that the Bible speaks clearly upon or any principle of the Bible that's clearly taught in the Word of God, any church that walks away from these things is no longer worthy to be called a church of the living God. Matthew 21 and 13, and Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves, he says. I believe the last remaining opportunity and hope for America in our lifetime can only be found in the local church congregation. Can only be found in the confines in which we find ourselves this morning. And I believe that God works through the local church. I believe that God will work through a group of people who believe the Bible who practice the Bible, who go back to our moorings and our foundations as Christians and as Americans. Churches who will take a stand and call sin, sin. Churches who will preach the Bible, the whole counsel of the Word of God. And let me say without apologizing for it. Congregations of born-again, baptized by immersion believers who have Bible standards about how to live, Bible standards about how to dress, standards on music, convictions about church attendance and faithfulness, churches that will not coddle or dodge the political correctness of our society. The last hope for America will not be found in the next conservative Republican elected to office. The last hope for America will only be found in gospel-preaching churches and gospel-believing people who are sold out and living and serving Jesus Christ in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Churches made up of Christians who have determined 
who have determined it does not matter if I am liked by the world or not. It does not matter if they see me as different. I want my life to count for Christ. I'll live my life as salt and light in the midst of darkness. God will use that. And God will reach America that way. God will use congregations of sold out, born again, saved people to reach this world for itself. That's the hope of America. I believe this. I'm preaching this morning and I believe this with all of my heart. Christians who will say, I'm going to raise my family in such a fashion as to please God and not the world. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Has the church stopped calling sin, sin? Has the church stopped calling people who are living in sin, sinners? Biblical separation and biblical standards are right in the sight of God. They're right in the sight of God. This local church will get criticized and, and people will say all sorts of things because of some standards. We do not worship our standards. We worship our God. But because we worship a true and holy God, standards are right. Standards are right biblically. It's still right to be separated from Hollywood. It's still right to be separated from, let me just add this one, Disneyland. You realize that Disneyland just this past month, we just moved into July. It was called Pride Month. The whole entire month of June. Uh, Disneyland, they put on all sorts of activities and all sorts of things to promote Pride Month. It ought to be Humility Month. It ought to be Repentance Month. You see, we as a church, we've just been so lulled to sleep. In so many areas that it's now acceptable. And so we just overlook this or we overlook that. And we say, oh, we can do this or we can do that. It's still right to be separated from those kinds of things. It's still right to be a teetotaler and not drink alcohol. It's still right. It's still right to dress modestly. And let me add distinctively. A man... And a woman. It's still right to be faithful to the house of God three times a week. It's still right to tithe. It's still right to not to curse, not to lie, not to cheat, and not to steal. It's still right to live holy and separated lives. The local church is God's means of calling the sinner to repentance and pointing them to righteousness. It's God's means. It's God's plan for this generation in which we live today. The local church is God's plan for reaching the lost world. And let me add, there is no plan B involved. 
There is no plan B involved. The local church is God's plan for reaching a lost world. It's God's plan to make known his wisdom. Let me read you Ephesians chapter 1 verses 21 through 23. Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of them that filleth all in all. It's to make known his wisdom. The church is to make this world know and see and understand the wisdom of God. It's to make known his glory. What's the purpose of the church? To make known his glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory. Where? In the church. By Christ Jesus. How long? Throughout all ages. Where? World without end. It's the purpose, God's plan is that the church would make known his wisdom, to make known his glory. It's the purpose of the church to maintain the truth. To maintain the truth. Let me read you 1 Timothy 3 and 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. It's the church's responsibility to maintain the truth. And now so much of the society is, is we don't want to hear the truth. Um, send us those people who having itching ears, we'd rather hear them. They'll not talk about all the things, the issues of society. The church leaves off the truth and stops preaching the truth. Then truth has fallen in the streets and there is no hope. America. The church is the sending agent for the gospel. And the gospel still is today the power of God into salvation that can turn this world upside down for the glory of God. It still is the power of God into salvation. The government does not send the gospel. The educational system does not send the gospel. God put it into the hands of the local church to send the gospel. And if this world is ever going to turn around, if we are to ever see revival, if we are to ever see a resurgence such as took place of, during the great awakening periods of our history, it'll have to come by gospel-preaching, gospel-believing people. Understand that freedom is found by way of the church. Freedom. We all claim to be free Americans. But freedom is found by way of the church. The Baptists have historically led the way for freedom in America. I make no apologies about being an independent Baptist. Make no apologies whatsoever. The contribution of Baptists for the fight of religious freedoms. It was during the early fledgling years of, of America... As they were getting ready to establish the Constitution, that there were Baptists who fought for religious liberties. You see, even at that point in time, the government wanted to establish a uh, a one 
religious system and tax you and, and tax others who would not be part of it. But it was Baptists that stood for freedom of religion. That religion or the duty which we owe to our creator, they wrote. And the manner of discharging it can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence. And therefore, all men are equally entitled to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience. That it is the mutual duty of all to practice Christian forbearance, love, charity, and truth toward each other. There's a Bill of Rights in the Constitution today. That Bill of Rights has been turned upon its head. It's ironic that the same tolerance that they sought after that day is the, the world today is saying there needs to be a new, different tolerance. They've moved away from the founding of this country and what was intended and now have completely turned around 180 degrees. The U.S. government is now trying to understand to force pastors to violate their Bibles, their convictions, their consciousness, and make them perform homosexual marriages. To force churches to bring those who would be totally against the truth of God's Word and to force you into hiring them as part of your staff. It's called the Equality Act. Nothing equality about it. It's so ironic. Freedom is found by way of the church. Freedom is found from sin by way of the church. There's victory in Jesus. You're going to be set free this morning. You'll find it in God's house, in God's word. Freedom is found by way of the church. Number two, freedom is found, or excuse me, faith is found by way of the church. Not only is freedom found by way of the church, but faith is found by way of the church. Saving faith and living faith. It is Bible doctrine that has held the line against the onslaught of liberalism, communism, and socialism, and paganism. You see, it's Bible doctrine that's held the line. It's in a church, it's in a local context just like this, that you find freedom, that you find faith. The church is the only institution left today that remains in the way of all-out perversion, of all-out anarchy, and all-out socialism. The church is the one that remains there stalwart in the way. 2 Timothy 4 and 13. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Titus 1 and 9. Holding fast the faithful word as it had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. The church is the last remaining moral conscience in America. The last remaining. When the conscience is silenced and seared, that is when every man does what's right in his own eyes. When the conscience is silenced and seared, it is the church that has continually exposed the lies of Satan and fought against the wicked advancements into our society. It is the church. The church is the biblical 
model of the family. The church is the biblical model of the family. The devil is against it, but the church is for it. The church lifts up the truth. The devil tears down the truth. The church stands for the family. The devil destroys the family. The church is and teaches and preaches biblically separation from sin. The devil preaches and teaches saturation in sin. The church will teach you how to please God. The devil will teach you how to please yourself. The church will tell you how to be saved. The devil will tell you you don't need to be saved. The church will send the gospel to the uttermost. The devil will fight tooth and nail against it. The church has the message that will save a nation. The devil has a message that will destroy a nation. The church can build up a nation. The devil will tear it down. You see, it's freedom that's found in the church. It's faith that's found in the church. And let me finish with this one. The future is found by way of the church. The future is found by way of the church. Where are we going to go from here? Do we just hold out and wait for the next election cycle? Hold out and do the best we can and hope for something better? No, the future is found by way of the church. Uh, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verses 14 through 18. The future is found by way of the church. What's our future look like? Where do we go from here? What's next around the corner? Verse number 14 of 1 Thessalonians 4. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The future is found in the church. There's the rapture. Wow. Could take place at any moment. There's the reunion. And then there's the rejoicing. You know we're really just strangers and pilgrims. Passing through. I commented. I think to Brother Lowe this morning. I'm thankful to be an American. But I'm most thankful to be a child of the king. To be a Christian. To have a heavenly inheritance. There is no bright future. For the American, nor any other nation upon planet earth that has rejected God. There is no bright future. But there is a bright future for the child of God in the body of Christ. I believe, hear me when I say this, I believe one of the greatest acts of patriotism One of the greatest acts of patriotism and love possible today for our country is to be active, participating in a local New Testament, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. 
the greatest act of patriotism is to be a part of born again, baptized, saved and sold out member of a local New Testament church. You see, we can claim patriotism. But how much patriotism can we really have if we've rejected God? How much patriotism can we really have if tonight's church service, half of us stay home? How much patriotism can we have? How much hope can we have in revival? How much hope can we have in seeing our America turned around for the glory of God if we as Christians neglect the body of Christ? Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more as you see the day approaching. The best way for God to once again bless America is for America to get back to church and for the church to be back to the Bible. On this 245th birthday of these United States, we need some Christian patriots who will sign a declaration of independence from sin, from the world, and by faith be sold out to a dependence upon God and what He wants to do. Through his established work, the church. This morning, I don't want to discourage you. I trust that God would encourage you. I trust that God would set a fire up under us. That in the time that we have remaining, as we see literally a snowball effect downhill at 110 miles an hour away from God, that we would... Say, stop here. Stop now. We're going to live for God. We're going to serve God. We're going to send the gospel. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll be faithful. We'll be true. We're going to stand where the Bible stands. Not to be mean and arrogant. But to be truthful in love. Sunday school lesson this morning. Sharing the truth and love. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? He came to this world to die on a cross so that you could be saved. That's really what it's all about. One life being changed one at a time by way of salvation to the gospel. If you don't know him, would you trust him as your personal Lord and Savior? Dear Christian, are we faithful? Are we faithful? Do we really care about our land, this great land of America? Oh, I believe we do. If we do, this is the only hope left for America. Bow our hearts with me in a word of prayer if we could, please.